This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks and welcome to the latest episode of How You Go Mate podcast. Adam's my name and of course uh, if you haven't listened to us before, this podcast uh, is entirely about, uh, as, the, as the warning said at the front, um, is entirely about talking to people about their mental health. Uh, and what we, what we really want to do with this is talk to a range of people, uh, a diverse range of people, and find out not necessarily uh, what's caused their mental health conditions or their mental, uh, or, or their, their sort of their psychological injuries, uh, but what they do to manage them. And um, hopefully what can happen is a whole range of people can listen to this and hear what other people do to manage their mental health conditions. Uh, this episode, uh, I was very fortunate to speak to um, Ben Hughes. And Ben is from an organization called The Men's Table. And uh, what men's The Men's Table is, is it's a, a social support group for men. And essentially they meet uh, once a month, um, a group of 12 men, um, all over Sydney as well, so there are tables all over Sydney. They meet once a month and they talk about what's happening for them in their lives. And one of their mantras is, we don't just talk about sh- footy and shit. Um, and I, I really like that, uh, we don't just talk about footy and shit. Um, so really what it's about is cutting out, I guess, the, the, the bullshit small talk and actually getting into talking about what's happening for you, what you've... Uh, how you're feeling, what's going on for you, how your mental health is. But more importantly, uh, establishing, and, and one, of the things that, uh, one of the things that is so important, I think, in terms of mental health recovery is, is the idea of connection. Um, more importantly, the idea that you are not alone. I've said this in the past, and it, it's something that I took from a conversation with Nathan in the very, very first episode, which was your mental health tells you you're on your own. Your mental health tells you that no one understands it. No one's ever, no one will understand. No one's ever had it as bad as you. You are, on. You are alone. And one of the beauties I think, when you get to a certain point on a mental health journey, is understanding that there are other people out there that are feeling the same way that you are. And um, and this I, I think this is what this group is certainly about. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to, to Ben. I, I get to chat to the other half of the the dynamic duo, if you will, next uh, in a couple of episodes' time, which is David. Uh, I had a really good conversation with him, um, and I really, I, look, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, but also had the opportunity on a couple of days ago to sit in on what they call the entree, which is, is sort of like an introduction thing for people who are thinking about becoming members or thinking about starting a table. And um, there are tables all over Sydney, but one of the things that both well, occurred to me and both Ben and Dave have, David have, have identified this is that there isn't 
um, there's a lack of tables in southwest Sydney. Yeah, nothing in sort of Liverpool, Fairfield. And that's, for those of you that are listening overseas, that's where I am. Um, so, you know, Fairfield, Liverpool, Campbelltown, Bankstown, out to Camden. Um, so uh, there is a, a little bit of a lack of tables out there. And, and I guess maybe that potentially means there are men that aren't being supported. Um, but basically what we're looking at, or what they're looking at, is starting one out at Camden. Um, or starting in definitely the Campbelltown, Camden, MacArthur area. Um, and they're having an entree on the 1st of September. So if you're listening to this before the 1st of September, which I hope you are, um, and Tuesday the 1st of September on Zoom, um, if you want more information, you can get tickets on uh, a site called Human Ticks, Human, Humanitics, Humani, H-U-M-A-N-I-T-I-X. Uh, search for Camden. Um, the men's event table event will come up. Um, or you can email Ben on David at hello at themenstable.org. That is themenstable.org. Although when you type it, it looks like the men's table, which could be something entirely different. If you want to know more about the, the organization, it is um, themenstable.org is the email address, is the uh, website address. But um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed... Um, sitting in on the entree, and it was, a, I guess, about half a dozen of us on there at the time, maybe five. And really interesting to hear, about four out of the seven of us had a very similar story about um, a divorce and how it affected our mental health. And um, and and look, one of the things I, I, I do stress with people is, how you going, mate, is not a men's initiative necessarily. We are certainly looking at men, and, and obviously men are highly represented in a range of statistics in terms of mental health, especially suicide, overly represented. But we we are looking to talk to everyone and, and, and you know, have, as I said, a diverse range of people. But I, I certainly know from my own experience, and I certainly know from, you know, obviously being a man, um, that... It is an extraordinarily difficult thing to talk about your mental health, and it is extraordinarily difficult to um, to show that level of vulnerability, and it's extraordinarily difficult to open up, uh, particularly to other men. Um, there is that genetic conditioning that says, you know, we have to, as men, behave a certain way, and um, and even the other night, just and not hopefully not giving too much away, but even even the other night watching uh, a man cry. Um, and apologising for crying, and it's it's something that we do, and I, I know that everyone's done it. But apologising for crying, and 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 really, <clears throat> what you're doing is apologising for showing a a perfectly natural emotional reaction, a perfectly appropriate emotional reaction. You know, we don't uh, we don't apologise when we laugh if something's funny. I mean, unless you know it's inappropriate to laugh or somebody's been hurt. But, you know, if you're watching something that is intended to make you laugh and you laugh, you don't then apologize for laughing. And if something is sad and it makes you cry, then I don't know why we should apologize. Like we're apologizing because we might be scared of it making the other person uncomfortable. Um, and so I guess that's one of the one of the real things that we need to challenge in, in our society. But um, it was really liberating. And, and the man did apologize. And, and every other man in the group actually said, Mate, don't apologise for crying. You're you're allowed to. It's okay. 
and 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 having been through divorce and uh, separation and divorce and and all the associated emotions with that, I can and understand why he was crying. And um, you know, fortunately, even in that group, a little magical moment happened where one of the other men said, "Look, I've been through the same thing. Get my number off off Ben and Dave, and and we'll connect and we'll chat." Um, and and it's really nice to see that happening. So one of the things that we hope happens here is that people hear what we say and uh, connect with that, um, understand themselves better, and of course, um, understand how to manage their wellness better. And they get to do that in the privacy of their own podcasts. And this is a really interesting chat with Ben. Um, I don't know that we talked about music too much, but we talked about music off air, and we are so in sync when it comes to music, it's not funny. Uh, It gives me a really great perspective on ADHD as well. And uh, we talk about the ADHD, the unofficial ADHD test. This is how ADHD I think I might be. I couldn't even get through the test, and I'm pretty sure you get the points for that. Um, but we also talk about how that affected his mental health, and we talk about um, how he's managed that and, and managed to set up the men's table, and, and he's now supporting other men to manage their mental health. It's a fantastic chat. I really do hope you enjoy it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed having the chat with Ben. And uh, for lack, you know... Um, you know, there's not much left to say other than uh, we're going to ask Ben the question. Ben, how are you going, mate? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. I'm oh. really good. I'm, I'm on fire. We've just been talking um, <laughs> for probably about an hour about music. We share a love of music. Oh, man. You know, I'm a little bit older than you, so mine was, uh, you know, the punk era. You know, and yeah, I, I, and as I said, yeah, I got in in the back end of that, so I, I saw a lot. Of, I heard a lot of this music, and only later discovered how important it was, and and what it meant, and how it changed the world. Oh man, just the energy, yeah, just like oh, yeah, yeah, really good. And and it's really, um, I've spoken about this on a couple of episodes with a couple of different people. It, the, the way that you can connect with music, and the way that you can hear someone talk about something on a song, and it really sums up how you feel. Yeah. Like it's like that person's actually inside your head going, I'm going to write these words down. And, and sometimes they articulate it better than you yourself can articulate it. And then all of a sudden, you, you, that's, that's your connection. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just I, I listen to things like Zeppelin or whatever it is, and it's just like bang in your face. And, mm. Or some really you know, great Stevie Wonder, some funk and soul and all yep. that. And I'm like, if that doesn't get your blood moving, if that doesn't get your feet tapping, if that doesn't get you excited, like, where are you? What's what's going on for you? I have a six-year-old, and and we we have her listening to all of that sort of stuff in the car, and uh, we bought her a Rolling Stones jumper a, f- a couple of years ago, <laughs> and um, of course people think that you know kids wear jumpers and don't really. So someone went up and said, "Oh, you got do you know who that band is?" She goes, "Yeah, the Rolling Stones." And they go, well, "What's your favourite Rolling Stones song?" You know, <laughs> and she went, "Jumping Jack Flash." <laughs> and they went, what? Back, back in your box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I know who that is, but, but yeah, yeah. So we listen to all of that with her as well. And the, we, the one thing I see quite a bit around is Ramones t-shirts, and yeah. we've talked about the Ramones, and I look at the people wearing the t-shirt, I'm like, yeah, you just have not got a clue. Yeah. I have not got a clue what's going on there. But um, You would know, yeah. your parents probably weren't even together when that band was yeah. formed, let alone you being born. And, and then we are, I mean, we were talk, we've been talking about this off 
fair for about an hour about music and uh, I find it so enlivening it's so good it's yeah. such a passionate thing you yeah know? yeah so, um, and, and especially when you meet someone that gets your musical style like yeah. that goes yes I know that and, and you know I'm very jealous of the fact you told, told me off air that you saw the Nirvana at the first big day out yeah. you're one of those people I am one of those people and it was one of the scariest concerts I've ever been to I was off my feet I was in the mosh I was off my feet it was 40 degrees the fire hoses were out and it was just like but it was it's one of those things it's seared into my mind yeah you yeah. know it was just it was wonderful oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm very jealous I'm getting shivers right now <laughs> I'm very jealous <clears throat> uh, to me it's akin to me it's up there with like the people that go yeah I, I saw the Beatles at the Cavern Club yeah I was, yeah. At, I was in that concert you know you go yeah, I would love to have been there. Yeah. So <laughs> um, now um, we're here today, and and we're in this beautiful office space. It's lovely here, but um, we we I want to talk a little bit about what you do, particularly. We'll, we'll sort of get into the other side of this and and your story, but I want to talk about what you do professionally and what you do with the men's table. Tell yeah, talk, talk us a little through that a little bit. Um, well, I'll set the scene where we are. We're in a place called uh, Collective Purpose, which is a home for a number of uh, small charities that yep. kind of lead charities way ahead, which is an old New South Wales Mental Health Commission. They've mm-hmm. changed their name. Uh, and we have various other charities here. Our charity is the Men's Table, which I'll tell you um, a little bit about. But um, I probably want to, you know, sow the seed a little bit of how this all started. Oh, please. And, and one thing, you know, I think, you know, we're here talking about mental health and <clears throat> one of the probably least understood ones and least recognized ones is ADHD in adults. Right, So um, I was diagnosed with this. Um, but I'll, I'll rewind a little bit um, back to school, I suppose. So, so I've always had a pretty good brain in my head. Um, and I used to be able to get into the top streams of school really mm. quite easily. But within three months six months i was kicked out always mm, yeah. so always kicked out never succeeded in doing stuff couldn't concentrate couldn't sit still couldn't keep my mouth closed um and you know some of my old school friends were saying yeah we we, we were just egging you on because you'd know that you'd you'd yeah. go up you'd be like yeah. saying something stupid <laughs> tell ben know. to do this he'll, yeah, do yeah. It, he'll do it he can't yeah. help himself that's right yeah. that was me so i was that kid you know even back in primary school and, you know, when the teacher said, one more peep out of you, Ben Hughes, and you'll be up the front. And I went, beep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my feet didn't touch the floor. I was off the front. And, that, you know, some of my really old friends will always remind me of that. But it was a life of just, like, being loud, talking a lot, um, and just, just, I don't know, just not being able to focus. Mm. I've never, I've always struggled with a book in front of me to actually sit down and go, really focus on the words and take the words in. The words seem to, I look, look at the words and yeah, things weren't working for me. So, yeah. um, you know, I did okay at school, but could have done a lot better. Um, the thought of going, carrying on to university, I, I, you know, I, I could have done it, but there's no way I was going to put myself through that because mm. I just, it would have ended up in failure. So a number of jobs, good jobs, losing my job, all that kind of stuff, mm. because I was just um, – so I, I managed to get a, a very good job in, in the Middle East, basically, in the Middle East. Um, and, look, I ended up doing no work, you know, because it was just a big party, really. <laughs> yeah. And then they found out, and I got fired, and I got, <laughs> I, got, I got sent back to the UK. And it was a tail between my legs, and my dad picked me up from the airport, and he was like, what's going on with you? You know, and I said, well, I, I, I don't know. I just 
couldn't concentrate. I didn't know I was having too much fun. And he said, you must be the only person who's gone to work in the Middle East and come back in debt. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually where you go to make your fortune, yeah, a bit, know, isn't I, it? Yeah, yeah so, so then I went traveling a little bit, um, arrived in beautiful Australia, arrived as a backpacker um, in Coogee 29 years ago and just did a Coogee to Bondi walk and just went, I'm going to live here. This <laughs> is like, look at this place. Man, this is paradise. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I ended up being, eventually I became self-employed. Um, and um, yeah, things didn't go so well with self, self-employment. You'll often find that people with ADHD become self-employed because they struggle in an organization mm. that they can't, they just can't, you know, work in a system. Yeah. So I've always struggled to work in a, in a system and have people tell me what to do and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Um, and I got to a, 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 a I, I gave myself a name. I was the thirty percent man. So I okay. was doing ten things. I was doing thirty percent of all of them. Right. And okay. what that leads to is depression. Yeah. So so um, highly um, motivated to do stuff. Ideas coming out of my ears, but then go, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. Ten things on the go, 30% of them never finishing anything, which led to, you know, really pretty severe depression. Yeah. Um, and I, I just couldn't work out what was going on there. Um, so probably about four years ago, um, I was in a really bad spot, and um, I ended up basically having a plan. So I had a plan. Yeah. I was like, this is enough. I've had enough. I'm yep. off. So, I, you know, to the point where um, I was lying in bed with my partner next to me, I was looking at train timetables to take myself up to the Blue Mountains. And mm-hmm. now one thing I, I kind of, I was going to go, right, I'm off a cliff, but I know I'm shit scared of heights. Yeah, I was going to so, say. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, not uh, the way I do it. No, no, no. I, then I thought, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm di- type 2 diabetic, so I thought, you know, a load of insulin and I can just go to sleep somewhere out there. Yep. So I kind of had this plan and... Um, I'm still here. Yeah. So, and I, you can tell the emotions just going woof up yeah, in yeah. me. <clears throat> so, um, I'm still here, and thank God I am. I am. Um, but that kind of um, changed me a little bit, and um, I went for a walk with a really good friend. And as we were doing this walk, uh, which happened to be down to Coogee, along the front there, um, he said to me, "I, th- I think you've got ADHD, mate." Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "I've got a friend who, who's got that, and I think you <coughs> might have that." And I'm like, "I'm an adult. I don't." What, what do you mean? That's for six-year-olds. Yeah, in, yeah. In, you know, finger painting. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's for the naughty kid at school, yeah, which yeah. I always was. I yeah, was like, yeah. spent my life. And we talked about rugby earlier on. So I was constantly in after-school detention until the head of rugby came up and said, he said, Hughes, if you get any more detentions, you are out of the rugby team. And I was right. like, okay. Right. I'll stop being naughty. There's I'll an incentive. Like, that, well, that was an incentive <laughs> yeah. for me. So... Um, so he's a, I think, got ADHD. So I was seeing a, a psych at the time. So I went and saw her, and she said, "Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll get the test. Top marks. Thank you very much. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> yeah. I'm an achiever. Very yeah. <laughs> much. Top marks in ADHD. So, um, and and at that moment, it's a double-edged sword because you go, I now I know what I am and how to, how to work with it. Yeah." But I also look back at my life, and there's a thing called, I think they call it, you're grieving for lost, lost opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So you grieve for these lost opportunities. Yeah. And I could look back at my life and go, fuck, I could, I could have, excuse my language, but I could have done um, 
so much more you know and at the moment i'm like oh god well you know what's going on now you know but also there's a great opportunity for me to go now i know why i'm why why i was kicked kicked out of the classes at school i I lost my really good job overseas i my self-employment didn't go very well yeah so I, i can now really work with that and i can really manage that adhd one of the problems that people with adhd always will have is people don't believe yeah. in adhd they're yeah. like oh you know or they'll go well i do it this way and it works for me why don't it doesn't it work for you yeah, yeah you know and you're like well i can't really concentrate that much and it's not a laziness it's just my the you know the executive function in the front of my brain isn't connected yeah everybody's on the skip spectrum somewhere so firmly believe that everybody yep. absolutely and there are different spectrums but everybody's on there somewhere yeah People sometimes, if you've got more of a logical kind of brain, it's hard to understand that it just doesn't work. You know, if I'm reading a long passage, something like I I will get halfway through and I'm like, okay, or I've read it and I've also my brain's gone off to think about this rather than actually thinking about what I'm trying to absorb all this. Um, so it's a life of constant. Um, I kind of <laughs> say it's a little bit like being a goldfish. So every day is, every day is exciting. Yeah. It, it might be exactly the same, but I can't remember. So oh, it looks like, yeah. yeah. Look at this really cool space yeah. you've been here before. Really? Yeah. Oh, literally. Yeah. Literally like that. So, and a, you know, a great example of that is, um, and I'll come to David, who I, who I work with at the men's table. He was the guy who actually said, I think you've got ADHD. But I came up with an idea. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about something, and Lillian goes, "Yeah, mate, you, you had the same idea about two months ago. In fact, we've got a folder with it in." So I'm like, Did I? I'm, like, I'm a double genius. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I'm laughing about it, but ADHD is quite—it's a serious thing because it, le- you know, the comorbidity that goes along with the ADHD is, is depression. Yeah. So I've got to really monitor what um, what I do and and how I do it. I really do avoid things I don't like doing. Yeah, yeah. If I don't, you know, if it's it's too much of a struggle, if it's really tedious and boring, I try not to do it. Okay. I will I will try and and I and I always told my son, you know, I don't care what you do, just enjoy what you do, okay? Yeah. Because I do see a lot of people go off to work and just do things for money or whatever they're yeah. doing it for. And yeah. we talked a little bit earlier about purpose and. Um, Purpose is so important in life. Mm. People lose their purpose. People settle for a low bar. You know, they settle for this this life where they just, I don't know what what goes on. Um, uh, I think it's really easy. I, I've I've thought about this quite a lot. I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of, you know, I I'm I wake up, I go to work, I pay the bills, I go home, you know, and it just becomes this routine. And eventually, after a while, I think you find yourself trapped in that. Yeah. You get to a point where you go, like, I can't leave that. I can't take a... I was talking to a friend the other day, and I I spoke to him about, um, you know, going out and doing something that they're passionate about. And I said, look, I said, you're 25. You're not married. You don't have kids. You have no real responsibilities. Mm. Now's the time to do that. Go and do it. You know, don't be don't be forty four. Don't be my age, and go. Oh, I can't do it because I've got a family and I've got a house and I've got mortgage and I've got this. Okay, 
you know, if I, I wish someone had said to me at 25, go and do it. Just do it. If you, if you fail, who cares? Be yeah. back in with mum and dad. That's fine. You know, that's not going to be the end of the world. But go and try it. Go and find the thing that you're passionate about. And I think they're in the process of kind of taking that action at the moment. But it's, it's so important and it's so, you know, so important to recognise if you're in that rut. And for me, I mean, this is – I love doing this. Yeah. This is my – pathway to breaking out of some of that monotony as well yeah. i love the podcasting i love talking to people I love hearing people's stories i love connecting with people so you know for me this has been massive in terms of finding that purpose and continually continuing along that recovery pathway yeah what we're doing for you how how helpful like genuinely how helpful was it to really go okay now i've defined this I, like i've now i know what i've got now i understand i have adhd like how much of a game changer was oh, it? Oh man, it was it, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was literally. We went on this walk, and he said, "Go and have a look at some things. Go back and YouTube, do a bit of research." So I had a look at YouTube, mm. and there's the. Well, I highly recommend this. Go if if you think you've got this, go on YouTube, and there's something called the unofficial ADHD test. Hilarious, <laughs> and it's really it, it, like you get points for various things. Have you lost? Have you already lost attention? Give yourself a point. <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff. Get pen and pa- pen and paper and write stuff down. If you think that's too hard, bing, give yourself a point. <laughs> if you think you're going to remember everything, give yourself a point. So it's really, really funny. Because so. certainly, as you say things like I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, that's me. I do like the memory yeah. thing. I'm terrible memory." But, but, but thing you know with ADHDs, people will have moments of distraction. People will have moments of not concentrating. Yeah. People will have moments of forgetting things, of of jumping into people's conversations. Like I, I want to finish people's sentences yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. So one thing they describe an ADHD brain is it's like um, you tend to have you tend to, and I hate saying this, but you tend to be fairly smart, but you don't have a breaks. You don't have breaks. Mm. You're like you can't control yourself. It's almost like I was always mouthy at school. I was always answering the teacher back, yeah. always standing outside the the door. So, but to find out that I'd got this, it really meant ah oh, man, that that's why, that's why I'm I'm shit at. That's why I'm so far behind on my taxes. Mm. That's why I, I I have the money to pay a bill, but I just haven't didn't get around to it i looked at the email and went oh i've got something else to do i'll mm. just ignore that yeah. and then suddenly go oh okay so um but to find out it was really unbelievably helpful to put a label on it and everybody i think everybody who has put labels on themselves they kind of get it it really does help yeah so um it was unbelievable because i didn't know why i couldn't finish things i thought i thought god i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty smart but I, why can't I figure that out? <laughs> like, what's going on here? It almost—I was thinking that it almost sounds like you're kind of a step ahead of everyone, and you're wanting them to catch up, and they don't. And when they don't, you go, "I'll oh, just go ahead anyway. I'll go and do it." <laughs> yeah, there's well, there's an impatience, but it, it there is a little bit of an impatience there. Um, but um, yeah, it was just the inability to finish things. Yeah. Then I understood why I couldn't do that. It's just a really weird thing. But the spectrum thing is really. You know, some people are OCD, some people are, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but it's a very hard thing to explain. Well, there are certain things I'm not very good at. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and and also was thinking it's it's almost that thing where I'm sure in your life you would have heard, well, Ben, you just need to focus. 
Yeah. But you just you just need to concentrate. Yeah. And it's it's probably the equivalent of, you know, saying to the person with depression, Well, you just need to be happy. That's right. Or Hard you enough. know, the anxiety person, you, you just need to not be so scared. Yeah. You know? You just need to get over it. Um, no, it's not actually that simple. Yeah, it's it's not that simple. So people will say to me, well, this works for me, or I do this, and I'm like, yeah, well, that works for you. Yeah. doesn't mean it's going to work for me. So one of the uh, – there's another great YouTube channel which gets millions of views. It's called How to ADHD. Yep. And, uh, again, highly recommend people go and watch that. And it, the, one of the episodes talks about having multiple, multiple to-do lists, right? So always yep. going – I'm going to use this system here. Oh, this works for me. And then a week later, you're like, oh, nah, that's not working. I'm going to use this one. Oh, I forgot that first one I did. And you have multiple to-do lists mm. and places to have it or post-it notes or yep. things <laughs> kind of going everywhere. And one person said who had ADHD said, oh, I don't write any lists at all anymore. I just remember a couple of things. I get them done. Then I might try and do a couple of other things yep. instead of, having this long list of things to do which looks like oh my god i'm never going to achieve that ever yeah yeah so um and it, it, well, look i'm married to a walking talking to-do list my, my she will listen to this she'll be listening to this going so my my wife's nickname for me is half a job holstein okay right? you're a 50 percent so, man yeah so <laughs> I, I i'll sort of do start things and not finish them I don't, you know, I'm, I'm hearing some things where I'm going, yeah, I, okay. I relate. Not, not as, you know, I'm not really, it's not really super resonating, but I'm going, yeah, that's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely that. Um, I don't, but my wife has an incredible memory. So she won't let me forget those things. So she will be, remember that you said this? No, I didn't say I was going to, yes, you did. We were here and we were talking about this and we were doing this. And I was like, yeah, okay, you're right. I did say I was going to do that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I need to do that now. <laughs> I need to stop. I need to finish. So, I mean, I, I, we went to, we went away for a weekend. Um, not the week, not, uh, came back last weekend, I should say. And um, I only just put my clothes away. <laughs> from, yeah, okay. You know, the unworn clothes in the suitcase and things like that. Can you put those away? Yeah, I'll do that tonight, honey. And, you know two nights later they get put away and so it frustrates her no end but she she's very tolerant let's just say yeah <laughs> I, I have the same kind of thing uh, my, my beautiful partner um we have her side of the wardrobe yep and then we have my side of the wardrobe and they are wildly different places <laughs> you know they're just like and I have, I, I kind of joke because I'm a t-shirt person. I like wearing yep, t-shirts. Me and I too. Have, I have t-shirts that are on high rotation. I call them high rotation. So they like, you know, they're always like those five or six t-shirts that just get, keep getting worn. I've got, a lot, I've got like 30 or 40 in a drawer. Yep. Occasionally I kind of mix it up and it's all like, and bless her, she'll come and she'll fold them and she'll put them in there and what have you. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> goes in there. And the interesting thing about me is my T-shirts have to be folded in a certain way. Oh, oh okay. Like they just, not, not anything super fancy, just, you know, basic general folding. But my wife will fold them another way and I'll actually take them out, refold them, put them back in. Oh, <laughs> and it's, But it's the only area of my life we that I'm that well organised in. <laughs> Everything else I'm a whirring dervish but in that it, I okay. have, they have to be folded a certain way I don't, and I just I, that's how I do it I will yeah. literally take them out and refold them yeah okay and, and she will just look at me and go yeah I wish you could be this neat and tidy in other areas of your life I wish you could do other things like that and I'm like oh, try honey I'm not that good aren't people funny how, yeah. like you have these little things that you do oh, yeah. and just like little habits that you do yeah that was just how I was taught to fold t-shirts and that's how I do it I'm just it's just so ingrained in who I am yeah yeah so you, you find you get this 
diagnosis, you, you figure out this is what's going on for me. What does what does recovery look like? What does what what's what are the steps now? I mean, you said you're already seeing a psych. Yeah, I was at the so, time. I was um, at the time, um, and then I I went on to Ritalin. Yep. And um, what did that do for you? I didn't like it. No. I really didn't like it. I was taking half a tablet or a tablet a day. And this is one of the things that I have. And have an issue with the big, you know, the big farmers, what have you. Yeah, yeah. That really just like, I, I really could focus. Like uh, three hours would go and I'd be like, boom. But I'd feel very speedy. You know, and I'd have that, the jitters almost. That was yeah. half a tablet. And then the doctor told me, oh, yeah, we, we have kids in here. We give them, you know, they have taken three a day and stuff like that. I'm like, Christ almighty. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. So I, so I don't do that anymore. But I manage myself, and how I manage myself is my my partner, bless her. She and she won't mind me saying it. She's a bit of a nana. She likes to go to bed quite early, so I've fallen in line with that. Because yep. I used to be stay up late kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've fallen in line with that, and now I do find that I wake up. I'm getting older, so bizarrely, <laughs> I wake up quite early, and and um, you know, have a better day from that. I stop drinking beer. I never thought I'd say that because I was down the pub. I was down the pub and having a laugh. Yeah. Um, and I, I before that, I've been in the basically I've been in the wine industry for a long period of time. That's what I was doing. But I, I used to go down. I used to love going down the pub and having drinking beer and laughing and having telling jokes and just carrying on. Yeah, yeah. I stopped drinking beer because I'd realised that beer made me sad. Yeah. So I'd be Monday or Tuesday. If I went out on a big night on a Saturday, Monday or Tuesday, I'd be feeling really... I'd have the horrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd feel really down. Stop drinking spirits. Um, I drink wine. And I'd like to say I, I drink it in, in uh, moderation, but not always. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so if I... But I do, you know, but it's quality, not quantity, normally. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I'm very conscious of that. Exercise is very important. and And being aware of my surroundings. So... Obviously, I'm a POM. I've been here 29 years. But when I wake up in Australia and I look out the window and there's a blue sky and there's a warm breeze coming through and I feel still feel like shit, I know I've got an issue. That's my gauge. Right. That is my gauge. I'm okay. like, look at the sky, warm breeze. This is beautiful. Yeah. But I'm still feeling like shit. Yeah. Mm, okay. We got some kind of problem yeah. going on here. So exercise, and I won't pretend that I'm a great exerciser. I'm not. I'm pretty slack at doing it, but when I do no. do it, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Going to the gym is my idea of hell. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've cut out a lot of sugar out of my um, eating, a lot of sugar and carbs. I'm a type 2 diabetic as well, yeah. so I had to anyway. But what I noticed was... When I was eating a lot of sugar, I was really unfocused, severely unfocused. And now I find if I cut back, I've cut right back and my focus is a lot better. Yep. <laughs> it's not great, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's better than yeah. what it was. So sugar is a bad, it was a really bad thing. Just being aware of your surroundings. Um, and we talked about this earlier as a couple of phrases that I use. Um, so action cures anxiety. Yeah. Action cures anxiety. If I'm feeling anxious or depressed about something, action, whatever it is, go and do something. Yep. You know, go and whatever it is, something, something else than what you're doing. The other one I use a lot of is do a 180. So if I'm my thoughts are becoming a little bit negative, a little bit bad, a little bit depressive, I will literally think to myself, okay, 
what's the other view on what's going on here? Let's do a 180. Handbrake on. Let's just sit and think and let's change direction and try and think about how I can do something different there. So, um, so I manage it in those, in those ways. Um, I've also got the men's table thing, which I'll I'll go on to talk about that. That's yeah. By all means, please. So I'll, I'll go right back to all the way back to 2001. Um, I was part self-employed, part of a business networking group, um, and I was feeling pretty shitty. I'd been through a, a pretty destructive divorce. Self-employment wasn't going well. I was worried about my son, all kinds of things. I was talking to two guys at the end of, of the meeting, and I said to them, I'm, I'm really depressed. I'm really unhappy. Things aren't going well. Um, and they, they said that the conversation turned a bit darker than that. I can't remember that, but yeah. maybe it did. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, we know exactly how you feel, mate. We, we feel exactly the same way. So, and at that moment, I thought, I hear a lot of this. I hear a lot of guys actually saying how they feel. Then I realized, because I'm pretty open. I'm mm. an open boy. I'll be like, yeah. I'll tell you how I feel. If I <laughs> feel like shit, I'll tell you. If you yeah. know, yeah, I've usually got two speeds. It's either overly excited or, or depressed. <laughs> so that's pretty much <laughs> how I operate. <laughs> two I can just see your partner waking up going, right, it's that kind of day, is it? Yeah, Let's we, go. <laughs> <laughs> which one of you? She's so tolerant. Bless her. I pushed push that woman so far out of her comfort zone. Oh, my God. Um, anyway... Um, so oh, there we go. I've lost. What were you saying? <laughs> two, two speeds. <laughs> two speed. Yeah, two speeds. And you were, ta- you were talking table. to these men after after the. Yeah, yeah that's right. So um, talking to these guys, and they said, "We know exactly how you feel." Yeah. And um, I thought at that moment, well, I hear a lot of that. So it's basically about being an open book. And I thought at that moment, I thought if you open the door for men by telling them how you feel. By empathising, going, mate, I feel like shit, blah, blah, blah. Being open and honest and vulnerable, you have opened the door for them to walk through and yeah. do exactly the same thing. Yeah. So the next week at that meeting, I stood up and said, I'm starting a men's group. Who's in? Uh, nine years later, uh, we're still meeting. Yep. On the third Wednesday of every month, yep. we meet. Uh, we met in a, we started off in Surrey Hills, meeting in a private room in a restaurant. We've got 11 of the original 12 guys still meeting, still turning up, and we talk about the highs and the lows of our lives. Um, And we've heard all sorts. We've, you know, we've had um, death, birth, separation, divorce, reconciliation, financial ruin, um, whatever. In in, you know, nine years, 12 guys. We've heard it all. Absolutely everything. Yeah, I can imagine everything. And and what you'll learn about guys is even people you consider to be the most put together person is up and down like a roller coaster yeah everybody is absolutely like that so things are going on for them um beginning of last year david who i work with very closely at the men's table co-founder of the men's table um who's also at the first table yep. rang me and said what are we doing about men's work i know you're interested in men's work what are we doing nothing go into our own table why don't we make this into a thing so we went back to our first table and we said, what, what has made this work? What's, what, what have we done? And we wrote down a whole list of what now what we call the fundamentals that we take to each table and they use as a guide to stop the table from fracturing and having arguments. Yeah. And they're things like, obviously, no politics, no religion, no alpha male behavior. That's just not tolerated. No. <clears throat> so no, you know, 
And I'll come to that. I want, I want to talk about the alpha male because that's one of my trigger points <laughs> is the alpha yeah. male. So um, please remind me to do that. Yep. Um, uh, we talk about no fixing. So men like to fix things. Yep. And we call it the brother-in-law story. So, you know, I'm telling you a heart-wrenching story about something or other. I'm in trouble. Suddenly some bloke will go, oh, yeah, man, that happened to my brother-in-law. And he did this and he did that and blah, 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 blah. And he fixed himself. It's all good. Oh, you should try that. Like, and the guy originally yeah. was telling the story hasn't completed on his story. He hasn't been able to get that out because his other blokes come in. <clears throat> First of all, the other bloke hasn't listened to him because he's too busy thinking about his answer. He's desperate to give an answer. Yeah. Comes from a good place. He wants to help, but he's trying to fix this guy. Yeah. So there's none of that. We don't don't allow that. You have to talk about I statements. You can talk about you want to talk about your feelings. So, like if people talk about their view of the world, if I talk about my view of politics or religion or my view on whatever it is, people can disagree with me. Yeah, we don't want that. If I talk about how I feel, I feel let down by the church or I feel let down by this or I, yeah. I'm feeling this at the moment. People can't disagree with you. Yeah. So it's very much how you're feeling. So the T-shirt you can see I'm wearing. It says, we don't just talk about footy and shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's our motto. We don't just talk about footy and you shit. You talk a little bit about footy, though, don't you? No, <laughs> oh, okay. not the table. <laughs> okay. um, so we, they can go, you know, if you want to talk about footy and shit, you go down the pub and do okay, that. Cool. All right? Yep. This is about accessing feelings. Right. This is, this is, we, take, we want men to go to places that they don't normally go to. Yeah. And... Because quite often men don't have an outlet. We've now got about 180 men sitting at tables. Yep. So we've got tables all over the place, new tables starting. I think you're coming along to find out a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to come. So we run entrees um, just to, you know, to see uh, if, if men are interested. Um, but it's really about supplying men with a community of yep. men they travel through life with. I've now got. 11 blokes that sit at the same table and we're all not best mates but we sit at the same table and we, we talk about the highs and lows of our lives if anybody's in trouble and we've heard it all I know I've got 11 blokes I can call on Yeah, men don't have that men are socially lazy men yeah. do not foster male relationships it's very unlikely you know if we were two women I might go to, oh we should catch up go yeah. and have a coffee go and yeah. have a cup of you know, cake or something whatever yeah very unlikely men will ever do that. They don't foster those relationships at yeah, all. Yeah. So you end up, and one of the f great phrases that we heard was um, one guy said, yeah, look, I sit on the couch and I watch TV and I listen to my wife organizing her social life. Mm. You know, And that's what men do. Mm. They, mm. they just don't foster that. So they end up very lonely. Um, that tends to start when men become a father for the first time and they're like, what's just happened? What, what has to happen to me? I've kind of been relegated in the house. <laughs> you know, I used to have this wonderful relationship with this woman. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of rightly so, I've now been relegated. But where do I fit into all this? Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole spotlight is now on the woman and, and the child, of course. But there's, there should be a little bit of light shone on the man as well. Yeah, yeah. But they often get overlooked. Yeah. So our youngest members are kind of the new fathers, and we go all the way up to 84 is our oldest member. Wow. Um, so we've got a right, we believe in diversity. Yeah. So we don't want a table of men that 
all look the same. Yeah. So, you know, we want different different men coming in. That 80-plus age bracket is so important as well. It's so under, you know, under-recognised. But, you know, um, I know you know the stats. It's so so high up in those suicide stats. It's ri- huge. It's ridiculous. So it's fantastic to hear that that's the range of people that are there. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you. Like, I, I hear everything that you're saying. Um, I'm a little disappointed that you don't get to talk a little bit about footy, but I get where you're coming from. Um, I get where you're coming from because, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I've said to people for a really long time, I relate better to women than I do men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have male friends. I get males. I understand it. I'm reasonably blokey myself. But I'm product of a single mum. So I had a female role model all my life. I, that male role model was kind of, you know, not there. And I don't mm. say that negatively. I mm. just, the bulk of my influence was the female. So I work in a female-dominated industry. I relate really well to females. I get a lot, I'd get. prefer to be in the kitchen talking to the girls and out the back talking to the boys, you know. That's yeah. just, that, that's me. Um, so I, I really get that, you know, men not connecting socially and, and and as you're saying and i'm sitting there thinking you know because usually yeah you're right we don't just catch up for coffee or oh you know what are you doing on tuesday we'll just have lunch you know it's usually do you want to go watch the footy yeah we did on saturday come to footy you know a couple of beers yeah yeah a couple of beers and and the thing i yeah that's the other thing i find really challenging so much of our interactions of men are based around alcohol yeah um i don't drink now i I say that I'm not completely opposed to it, and I will have the occasional so every once in a while. But in the sense of I don't go on a Friday night and sit at the pub and have half a dozen beers with the boys. Mm. That's not what I do, and it's mm. not really hasn't been something I've done for a long time. So for me, then that major male way of connecting actually doesn't exist. Mm. So I, I actually hear a lot of what you're saying and sit there and go, mm, yeah, actually. But that's not that. a real way of connecting, going down the pub and drinking yeah, beer. Yeah. That's not. It's a, it's a total distraction. It's, um, you know, and I, I, and I earlier on I said, you know, I used to, when I was younger, oh, man, you know, you're going out partying, drinking. Yeah, I love it, loved it. But mm. but you do see a lot of men just going down the pub and drinking beer, and it's it's a very lonely experience. Self-medicating a mental health yeah, issue probably. it's and, really bad. And then... Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's also a sense of purpose. Yeah. Like, like we, we, there's a lot of men who kind of lack that sense of purpose. Whether it's the new father, whether it's a man who just goes off and does the work and then comes home to the family, yeah. or the retiree. So we talked about sense of purpose before, and the, the men's table has given me a huge sense of purpose because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, as you, you know, you work in the, in, in an in industry where you're helping people. I help people. I also work three mornings a week um, in a home with schizophrenic men. And um, so, so I have a weird kind of thing because I, I, I know my wines inside out, right? I was in the wine industry for a long time. I was a wine educator. Yep. I ran wine events. I did all that kind of stuff up the front of people talking to people about wine. Yep. And, um, you know, I can tell you my you know, Chianti classes, all that stuff. Loved it. Loved it until I worked, started working in this home with schizophrenic men, and my God, what a sense of purpose I've got now. Yeah, the pay shit. Yeah, but but it, it, you know, I'm not there for the money. It's I'm no. not really there for money. I just get so much joy from a sense of purpose. So one thing we're doing at the men's table, and we've just started doing this, is we are asking men to step into men's work a bit further yeah. themselves. 
they might not see that they've got an issue. They might have, yeah, yeah. but they can't see it themselves. But by stepping into men's work and giving themselves a sense of purpose, they will give themselves a better life. So we're calling on men to help other men. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's men serving men. Yeah. So we believe in peers before professionals. You've got 12 men around the table. You've got 12 men at being experts at being men. And you, and you cap it at 12, don't you? That's, that's cap the it max, at 12. yeah. 12, because we ask them to attend nine out of the 12 a year. So there's one every year. It might be on the first Monday, the second Thursday, whatever it is. Yeah. You, you, you choose. And once the table's up and running, we ask a couple of hosts to set up the table and facilitate. After about six months, eight months, we ask them to kind of step back so we have a level playing field. Yeah. It runs itself yeah. because as men, we're used to that hierarchy kind of thing, particularly yeah, yeah. in the workplace. I've never been great with that. So but, but it's, you know, we want everything to be kind of level so there are no bosses and it's yeah. self-managing. So if some guy is talking about ScoMo or the dragons or, or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not that can cause division other guys will step in and say mate let's not talk about that i want to talk about how i'm feeling yeah i've we start at seven o'clock on the dot on the dot because if some guys had some trauma that's happened in the fortnight before at seven o'clock he wants to go blah, blah. on the table yeah if you've got some clan rocking in at 10 past seven going, oh the traffic was shit blah 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 that doesn't work yeah so it's seven o'clock sharp we start we finish at around nine and there's no kicking on you yeah. don't kick on no you've done the conversation you've, you've done all that yeah um so it's but we're trying to get more men involved the retirees in particular because they've got this wealth of knowledge in their head yeah. you know we've got doctors professors we've got lawyers we've got all sorts of men who've retired and all this stuff's in their head so we're now give, trying to give them a sense of purpose mm. by saying how can you help set up other tables mm. how can you get involved in this so rather than just sitting on the couch and watching telly it also it sounds like a look it sounds like a model that if you wanted to you could like if you were one of the people at the table you could actually very easily go and do this with your mates like you could very easily go and do something like this. I mean, out you know, say to half a dozen mates, boys, let's catch up once a month, and you, let's do this and see if we can make that work. You, you can, but let me put this to you: you've got some good mates, some very close yeah. mates. If you started talking about yeah. how you're feeling and your inner feelings, probably at least half of them are going to go, "Oh, this is a bit weird. Yeah. This is a bit awkward." Because yeah. you've got this established relationship yeah, with yeah. them. Yep. So it's very hard to break them. So what we don't want is a clique of men, because you'll end up talking about footy and shit with your mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will. Yeah. So it's pretty much, you know, you might have a mate goes to the same table, um, but it's pretty much 12 guys you don't know. Yeah. Or you know loosely. Yeah. So you might think, well, I've got these mates I know really well, but I also know this bloke who's kind of, I kind of know, but I know he could do with mm. a hand up. Mm. I'll contact him yeah, yeah. and I'll get him along. And then I can really talk about the shit that happens in her, in my house yeah. quite comfortably because I know there aren't partners or wives involved. Yeah. yeah. So we have another. So I'm doing a lot of talking here. Sorry. That's, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's actually the point of the. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's what we do. Yeah, It'd be weird if I just sat here and said nothing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like, a, oh. But in <laughs> the very early boring. stages of these as well, my wife used to say, "You talk too much. You yeah. need to shut up and let right. these people talk." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I can talk." So um, I'm good. I mean, there you go. And that thought just gone straight <laughs> out of my head. Whatever I was going to say, it's gone. It was an important point, but anyway, it's gone. 
Um, the other thing that strikes me is this is actually also, I, I wonder how many people have been in a similar position to you where they've had the plan, but they know that they've got to go to the men's table next week. And maybe that's kept them alive. Mm. Is that is that something that you know or you measure or anecdotally you've heard that that feedback? Or? Yeah, well, yeah, we have. We we've had, um, for instance, one guy basically said he 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 was going to do something called Lifeline, um, and then just couldn't speak. Yeah, you know, they Lifeline, how can I help you? He yep. couldn't speak, put the phone down. Um, but we, we know that there's there's men who are feeling supported and things have happened. We, we were talking about this actually yesterday because in what we do, so we're very preventative, right? Yeah. So we are preventative. All the money in this industry goes to crisis. Yeah. Okay. So it goes yeah. to picking up the guy whose body's at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. Okay. And that's huge money. Yeah. That's, that's like a million. Literally, yeah. it's about a million dollars for everybody who suicides. Wow. Okay. Yep. So, you know, why not spend some more money on preventative stuff? Mm-hmm. So we, it's very hard for us to say. Well, we get twelve guys in the room. We give them the warm and fuzzies, and there's a community. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. So to get funding, what we have to say is, we've got guys who have been thinking about suiciding. We're we're preventing that. We are preventing. Unfortunately, we've kind of got to talk like that. It doesn't really yeah. make sense. But we can we provide community for men. Yeah, and it's it's cost oh, cost effective. I hate to even use it in monetary terms. Yeah, it's cost effective for the government, but it often it gets overlooked completely. because yeah. it's not. There's no. You know, six men a day in Australia suicide. Yep. Okay. If the government reduced that to five men a day, man, wouldn't they be? fantastic mm. what the other stats don't tell you is 84 times a day an ambulance is called in australia for a man who's attempted suicide wow you know and if you extrapolate that out you've got 84 you've got thousands of men living in mm-hmm. depression anxiety and what have you um mm, so over twenty i'm that's just a rough number in my head that i've done but yeah, yeah it's yeah, huge. possibly thirty thousand. It's yeah. huge living it living in that so one thing we talk about is it's in the vault. So when you go home, we first started doing it, don't say anything. But now we've realized when you go home, if, if there is a partner at home, the partner will go, so what happened? Yeah. How did it go? Mm. And the man will then relate some stories about what was feeling, the feelings at the table without using names. It helps that relationship at home. Yeah. It helps the relationship to the kids. And we've got anecdotal evidence that shows that it, they become a more open man yeah they can have deeper conversations so i've talked to men at different tables because i we get contact with all of them and you know some of them have said man i'm having this conversation with you i wouldn't have had that before because now i have this trusted relationship yeah. where i can talk about some of the deeper stuff that's going on and it's going to stay in this room and oh totally and i think and it strikes me that the really other the other really important thing is there is that you feel like you're not going to get judged. You yeah. Know, everybody in, like, so Nathan in his episode of his podcast talked about the fact that he walks into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and everybody in that room knows what, you know, has experienced on some level what he's experienced. He's just got a group of people in the room. They're not going to yeah. tell him how to fix himself. They're not going to tell him what to do. They're just going to listen to his story and he doesn't feel judged. And I, I suspect that that's the same feeling for the people in those groups. Like, yeah, you're not going to judge me. You're not going to go, oh, wow, that's like... You're probably going to go. Yes, I felt the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I've experienced the same 
feeling. And and <clears throat> touching on that, you, you mentioned alpha males before. I suspect that the way you've set it up then it stops, inhibits that dominant male figure taking over the group and kind of driving mm. the agenda of the mm. group. I, I, look, I have some pretty strong views on this. I, I think there's 5% of men who give us all a bad name. Yeah. I think there's the alpha male, the road rage guy, yep. the, um, the, the domestic violence the, guy. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah. The, all that. You know, and then we all get lumped together as men. Yep. You know, and they give us a terrible name. Yeah. I've often thought of doing a podcast called The Other Ninety Five, which is ninety five percent of us are going are good men. We are yeah. genuinely good men, I, but I, we get the headlines that you yeah. know, it's the bad man. I have a similar, so a, a little bit controversial, but whenever you see, um, you know, unfortunately, a woman that gets you know raped or murdered, and and we see that all too often, and they talk about educating men. Mm. and they, they have this sort of sweeping generalised, we need to educate men not to do this. And I'm like, I don't. Mm. And none of my mates do. Yeah. I don't... I, I mean, in fact, I have known somebody that has done something like that, but I've never... Most... 90... Did you say 95... 99... 99.9% of the men I know don't rape and murder women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have, they, they just don't. So... For me, I'm like, yeah, I get where they're coming from with that, but it's like, yeah, I think a good majority of us are good, decent men that yeah. respect women and, you know, behave how we're supposed to behave. It, it's a, it, like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. My partner will say, oh, you know, guy at work kind of did this in the meeting or I was on the train and the guy kind of pushed himself against me and I'm like, what? What even is that? Because I don't mix with guys like that. No. I don't know that kind of stuff no. at all. And I'm like, what what kind of men are these kind of men? Yeah. So it, and it's them who get the headlines. So I, I'm, I get very upset when I see our men are like, oh, typical man, because yeah. we're not all the same. But we have got a small percentage of us who are complete assholes. Yeah. And, and just, you know, psychopaths, you know, just like out for their own good, have no empathy, yeah. and, and give us all a bad name. So, so we, the men's table is a level playing field. Yeah. We've only had a couple of guys who haven't, let's say, fitted in, which yep. we had to let go from tables. Um, but we have got men who have those traits. But, you know, the le- table will try and level it all out. Yeah, It's a level playing field. Yeah, So it will work for the introvert. You know, the introvert might actually finally open up in four or five years. But he's still there listening. Yeah, So listening is, is equally important. So we want to show commitment in that... Nowadays, if you don't like something, you don't have to go to it. You're like, I, I, I can't be bothered. can't be asked. Commitment to go. So it's nine out of the 12. We understand there's family stuff mm. that might happen. You might have nothing to say. But by going, a man who's been desperate to talk about something has got, you know, <coughs> has been able to hit, you know, be heard. Yeah. He might be able to talk about this at home or at work, but you know he's got whatever it is that night. Say nine other guys who can, who can listen to him. And potentially like, like listening to this you'll hear something that somebody says and you'll go bing that's me yeah i get that and you'll go away and explore that you won't necessarily vocalize that at the moment but you'll go away and you'll start like somebody will look at the pod look at the youtube channels that you mentioned earlier on yeah and go i'm gonna have a look at that that sounds like me that's absolutely sounds like me so we're 50 minutes, my friend. Look, oh, you did, you, you look, did a, you've done it. It flies by. It really it does, does. It, it does go. Um, but bef- I want to just maybe kind of just touch on, so your go-tos now for 
managing your wellness, managing your mental health. We, we did talk a bit about it before, but I guess I'm going to say maybe that action cures anxiety is really yeah. one of the big ones for you. What else? Is there anything else or is there? Uh, I, the 180. Do a 180. 180. Yeah. I, if, I'm, if I'm like, it doesn't happen that often to me. I'm not, I don't have to, I don't lie around in bed, but I, I you know, action cures anxiety. So I'll get out of bed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm in a bad place, I will literally go, I literally go to myself, okay, I need to do a 180. Yeah. I need to just think differently about this. That's real. And that, and to me, that's really, um, it's a really interesting thing, uh, you know, where we spoke before about, you know, people say, you know, just get over it. It's all in your head. But the trick is, it is all in your head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the, the great contradiction of that statement. It's all in your head. Yeah. Yes, it is all in my head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. It is. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then to me, I think there's an element of conscious choice. Then you go, okay, I have to actually make this decision to make the 180 degree turn. Yeah. You know, and I said it on a previous episode, you know, if I fall over and I break my leg, well, I have to go to a hospital. It's not just going to magically heal itself. I have to actually decide to adhere to the rules and go to the hospital and get the doctor to fix it. And to me, I think there's a similarity in that. You know, that 180, you go, right, I need to be aware enough that it's going to... It's a conscious decision. I need to make it and I need to go out there and I need to take that action to support yeah. myself and... and you know, hopefully, I don't like to use the word "fix myself." It's so easy to use that, but you know, we're never fixed. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. no. Oh, look, I'll I will be ninety, and my wife will still be complaining because yeah. I'm leaving clothes on the floor and doing half a job to most things. Yeah, yeah. Well, fabulous. So, if people want to jump on, they can yeah. Google Men's Table and they yeah. can have a so look at what you guys do. www.themenstable.org. Yep. So www.themenstable.org. Uh, you can book in there for our next entrees, which at the moment are online, um, but we normally have them in a pub. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get one out your way, get a yeah. men's table out your yeah, way. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm very interested in it, actually. So. I'm very interested in it because I, 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 like I love the idea of it and it sits really well... You know, I've said this a number of times. The, the 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 ethos of how you're going, mate, is about being proactive. Yeah, it's not about waiting for someone to come and talk to you. It's about recognizing the signs of poor mental health, recognizing that somebody needs support, um, and and rather than waiting for them to come to you, going to them and saying, "How are you going, mate? What, what's going yeah. on?" I'm, you know, we spoke earlier on about assist training and and, and things like that. It's about Taking it's hard to ask that question. It's hard to say this is what I think is going on, but it's about taking that initiative, taking that step, and saying I'm worried about your mental health. Yeah, what's happening for you? And it, it's also you know it's also a little bit softer than that. It's about providing community. Yeah, a community of men you can literally travel through life with. Yeah. Um, so we ask them to commit to to turn up. We ask them to commit to stay once the table is settled in about a year, eighteen months. Commit to grow altogether. Yep. really important because then you've just got that group of blokes that you can travel through life with yep. um, and that's the difference between us and some of the other groups which is kind of drop in drop out you know you don't have to have a conversation you can just do something um, but it's yeah so www.themenstable.org yeah. but it's not just about you it's about your brothers it's yep. about your other men in your lives yep. that you, or men you haven't met yet that you can have a sense of purpose by, by helping yep. just by listening Fabulous. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you, mate. Now, of course, folks, before we let you go, um, uh, just a reminder, if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, uh, don't forget, um, 
we're looking at, or Ben and, and David looking at setting up a men's table in South West Sydney, uh, preferably around the MacArthur region. Uh, if you are interested, that will be there'll be an entree, an online Zoom meeting on the 1st of September. Um, and of course, uh, you can get your tickets for that through Humanitix uh, that starts at 7pm on the 1st of September. Uh, we'd love to have you guys there. Um, and if you are interested in anything to do with the men's table, finding out what it's about or anything like that, uh, then the next men's table, as I said, that entree is the 1st of September, jump on and get in contact with uh, Ben and David and organise to uh, to find out a little bit more about um, how men can support other men to manage their mental health. Thanks for listening.